Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me today, Mr. Peja Stoyakovic, Vice President of Player Personnel and Development for the Sacramento Kings and General Manager of the Reno Bighorns. Peja, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, excellent. This must. This is year two for you with the franchise coming back, uh, but this must feel like a whole new world with the move into the new building, the the new practice facility, all of this wildness going on with the fran- franchise. Um, it is. You know, it's just coming back uh, last year, being my first year in uh, in the front office, uh, just observing, listening, learning as well. Uh, but uh, as you mentioned, moving into a new building, uh, it is a fresh start for all of us. It's a new beginning as well. Hopefully, hopefully you will reflect on the on a basketball court as well. And uh, we are excited about it. You've had a little bit of a time to get to know Dave Yeager. How has that transition been to a new head coach? What are your initial thoughts on Coach Yeager and sort of what he brings to the table for this team? I am excited about uh, his work uh, that he has done in the past. I'm also excited what he has brought here, uh, his energy, his uh, passion for the game, his attention to the detail, uh, and, and obviously the way to communicate, to to relate to, to, to each and every guy. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's very important in today's basketball. I think... Uh, uh, we are dealing with different generation of of players uh, where communication is very important, and uh, I think David's uh, doing an excellent job so far. When you look at the team that you guys have built, not just on the floor, but the front office team, you added Ken Catanella this off season. You still have Mike Bratz around. Vlade, of course, is is in charge of everything. You still have Roland Beach. Are you guys forming? Are you gelling and becoming a tight unit that really can kind of withstand all that that comes at a uh, NBA front office. Uh, we are, we are. I think, uh, I think we are feeling very comfortable and very confident uh, about our group. Uh, we are sharing information amongst ourselves. We are uh, speaking uh, very openly. I, I think that's the only way how you can uh, improve and get better as an organization and, and, and as a team. Uh, each of us have a different role, and each of us brings something different to the table, and. Uh, we are excited about it. You know, it's uh, we had an exciting summer. We are very, we were very pleased uh, how we have done in the draft day uh, over the summer with the free agency. I think, uh, I, I think we have a pretty good team uh, where we can uh, compete uh, as well, uh, where we are flexible going into our, our next year, and where we are also uh, giving uh, our young players opportunity to develop and 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 be part of something special. Now, you talk about the young players. You did have three first-round draft picks, and then you had Isaiah Cousins in, in the second round. You're the general manager of the Bighorns. You, you probably will see some of those guys at least part of the season. That would be what I would assume? Well, that's the idea. The idea is of uh, having those guys uh, as much as possible down there, uh, but also uh, having them around here as well so they can smell the real thing. Uh, but... Uh, I think D League. What is uh, the purpose of the D League is to 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 create environment uh, similar to 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 here, where they can uh, get more uh, opportunities offensively, where can uh, they can build their confidence up, and and just more games, more minutes, and that that will help them down the road. You know, coming here and having the minutes under the belt, I think they're going to be more ready moving forward, uh, and that's the idea. All right, so. The Bighorns, if that's the idea, then it makes sense why you would go away from David Arsenal Jr. and his Grinnell style and go to someone more conventional, someone that you and Vlade are very comfortable with, Derek Martin, who you guys played with. Is that really why you guys made a move? And and how comfortable are you with with Derek's ability to step right in and take a hold of that Reno Bighorns team? Well, the the, the idea is of having the head coach of of, uh, Reno team 
uh, working closely with Coach Yeager and his staff. Uh, uh, His main supervisor is Coach Yeager because I, I think the the point of is of having the league it's it's having having the same style of basketball as the as the main team is playing so when you send your guys for whatever reason you're sending them for development for getting the rhythm after injury or whatever it's out there it has to be very similar for what we are running here so they can get their reps going we are very happy Derek is around uh, he was around uh, during the summer league as well. He was around for the portion of the summer as well when we had workouts. I, I think it's just working as a group. I, I think working uh, as a team at all times, just sharing information, learning from each other, that's how we're going to move forward. I think that's the, that's the only way how can we move forward and, and, and hopefully be successful. When you've seen these rookies come in, uh, what impresses you most about a guy like Papianis or Scal Labissier or uh, Malachi Richardson? Because you have seen them, you've got your hands on them over the last couple of months. I know Scal has been here most of the summer. Uh, Papianis has been here at least for the last month. Their bodies even look so much different than they even did at Summer League. What have you seen from those guys? Well, first of all, they're not boys anymore. I think when we first saw them, that we saw... We have seen three boys. Now we have seen three men. Uh, they have put so much work over the summer, both uh, on and off the court. Uh, I think all of those guys, including Willie, who's only uh, has played one year, all of those guys bring something differently. I'm, I'm going to talk about the big guys. Scal is, Scal is very skilled uh, at the power forward position. I, I, I think the, uh, who he reminds me of, I, I, I think he's... Uh, is, is a version of, of, of Chris Bosch. Uh, hmm. th- that kind of level of talent. It's very skilled, uh, very patient, uh, a great uh, work ethic, uh, willing to learn, willing to be better, just, just like his attitude overall. Uh, Willie is uh, one of those players that come very rare around. And, and he's, uh, he can play multiple positions, especially on the defensive end. He can guard threes, he can guard fours, he can guard fives. He can play the, also four and five on offensive end. Uh, very skilled. Uh, his uh, athletic ability, his size are are just amazing. Uh, also, a uh, uh, great approach to the game, willing to learn. And, and Papayanis. Papayanis is one of those traditional uh, big guys that we don't have as many in today's games. Uh, traditional big guys that will play with his back to the basket. He moves well for his size. Uh, he has a great touch around the basket, great touch uh, outside the paint, uh, shooting touch. Help playing in the uh, European Professional League the last couple of years has helped him not only to uh, mature physically, but also uh, mature mentally, being prepared for this stage. But also, it's, it's for, uh, like for the rest of the guys, it's going to take some time for them to understand the game of... Uh, a uh, game of the NBA and the style and uh, and everything and the, the and, and the schedule and uh, but uh, oh, very excited about those about those three big guys uh, just understanding that each of them brings something different to the table and then Malachi Malachi it's uh, he he's he's uh, you know uh, has a great approach great uh, attitude on the court. Uh, doesn't back up from the challenges. Uh, seeing him in summer league, just accepting challenges, also guarding people as well. Great, great work ethic. It, it, they just have to continue. They just have to continue to work on it, keep building on it, and and hopefully we'll show on the court. I I, I told them, I keep telling those young guys, it's not going to happen over one summer. It's not going to happen over one night. You have to put constantly put a work in. And eventually it will pay off. You will feel more confident. You will feel more secure about your shots. And obviously, you're going to have more trust in your coach and your teammates. And I, I think it's a process. And I think they're, they're doing the right way. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you specifically. One of the main reasons is because Willie mentioned that you've taken him under your wing, that he's sort of – you're his mentor now. That's what he's, he thinks of you as – and I know the first year I started covering this team, the Kings had just signed Antoine Wright. And he talked about being with the Dallas Mavericks and watching you and Dirk 
and all of the incredible shooters on that team. And you guys would shoot after practice, you know, well, I don't know, 20 shots from every spot on the floor. And if you couldn't hit like 93 or 94, you're going to lose your money, guaranteed. Um, you still have that touch, it sounds like, from talking to Willie. And you've been working with him on that 700 shots a day, he said, and 700 shots every day. How, how can you mold a guy who's not – he didn't come into the league as a conventional shooter. How can you take a guy and make him into something better than what he is right now? Uh, I think uh, I, I've, I've spoke to Willie on numerous occasions, and uh, we spoke to uh, last season for a second, and uh, he's he's eager to learn, but he's also he's also anxious to get to there, I, I, and and it's which is normal. He's young, uh, but I, I kept telling him it's a process, it's 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 uh, days, uh, weeks, months, years of hard work, putting in will pay off he uh, he's uh, he does listen uh, I just I just like his uh, overall I just like his approach to the game I I, I, I like him as, as a person uh, uh, it's 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 a step-by-step step, uh, with him we, we did work for a second uh, uh, when we have uh, after a season when the when we were looking for the new coach and just before the draft, we did spend uh, some time together on the court and I was trying to help him, especially on the shooting, uh, where I, uh, we started from the basic things, uh, understanding what it takes to be a good shooter. Uh, and he still, he, we, still, we still talk about that. And he still always, when he misses a shot, he, he walks by me, his legs. Uh, exactly. I mean, it's... It's all about strengthening your legs, all about the rhythm, and all about repetition. That will eventually make you a better shooter. And uh, and, and he's he's an interesting guy. He's uh, he's not a typical typical guy. Really has different interests uh, besides the basketball in life and, and everything. He's very very smart uh, kid. But uh, and it's it's and it's always pleasure, you know, having those kind of conversations with him and uh, and seeing how he see the world from his perspective and how he see the his basketball career. So I I, I think uh, he's uh, he has a right right set of mind. He's he's uh, working hard and 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 hopefully, hopefully he's gonna as 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 he move on with his career, he's gonna get get better and better and better. He's a sponge. That's what I've noticed. That everything he you say to him, he takes in. I, I've watched him working with Rondo last season, and they're teaching right. him how to go to the go to the rack on, on the break and keep his elbows up so yeah. people can't swipe the ball away. And then I I turn around two games later, and there he is doing the exact play, and you could see him move through the motions and do it right. And he's he's exactly you you you, you said it right. He uh, he does look disinterested when you're talking to him. But he does listen, and he does implement those things down the road. It does it does sticks with him. Yeah, uh, I, I know he 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 doesn't doesn't get into conversation very often. Uh, he, he listens. He, he gives you nod or that he did understood. Sometimes you do feel that maybe he's not listening, but he's getting it. He's. Uh, you, 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 you made the right point. He's like a sponge. He just, he just gets it. He's absorbing He's, everything. 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 Yeah. And, and even though if he does not make the eye contact, he does listen. He does register things. And he's, he's, he's a smart kid, and, and he's, he's able to implement those things right away. I, th I think he's a natural talent. I mean, uh, the, just the feel for the game and, and, and his physical ability – uh, size, uh, I think, it's, it, but it's also very raw. That 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 it needs to spend some time working on on, 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 on fundamentals just just to start from there. And I, I and I, I think he has a really really bright future. Yeah, I think he does too. And I think the really interesting thing is is that when you do get him talking, sometimes he's so passionate, he and he just really gets into the conversation and he gets fired up. But then. There are other times where you can see it's kind of a blank slate, and he, he's he's not. It doesn't appear that he's paying attention. But I, I assume you're right that he is just taking it in because 
I, I mean, he's a very intriguing young man. He's very different than most of the other players that come in the league. I mean, Scal, he just comes in, he's got this huge smile, and he's just yeah. so, like, happy to be there. But Willie's a little different, and when you get him going, I, I can imagine that the conversations are good, but also when he's just focused, he's so intense with what he's doing. He's so. he's very, very intelligent kid. You know, you can, you can speak to him about different things, not only – Things that have has to do with basketball, uh, life, uh, music, uh, uh, the things that, that interests him. He, he's he's willing to learn, but it also takes time for him to 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 develop that uh, trust as well, uh, which is normal. Uh, uh, develop that uh, relationship, uh, and uh, I, I, I just think he's a, he's a sensational guy. Uh, I just like to. His talent, uh, his approach to the game, and, uh, and I, th- I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be great for us this year. Okay, so you've got to see the first couple of days of training camp. Is there anything that that you're taking in that that stands out to you that's different? I, I keep hearing about Jaeger's attention to detail. That's one thing I keep hearing. Is there a coach that he reminds you of that had that sort of attention to detail? What is it that he's bringing to the table? I, I think attention to detail. I, I mentioned that very at the very beginning. Uh, th- that is the, one of the strengths of, of Coach Jaeger. Uh, but every time you take over a new team with a lot of new faces, I think. I think you want to uh, set the standards up. Uh, you have to uh, you have to create the the the, the system that the how you want to play on a both ends of the floor, and that's that's what he's doing now. He's he's building it from the from the scratch. He's implementing uh, things on the defensive and an offensive uh, end that he would like to see. Uh, and guys are just uh, step by step. It's it's a process. Those those things are foundation. Now it's it's foundation time. But once you build the foundation, then it's repetition, repetition, drilling, uh, and, and and just learning in the process uh, how you can get your shots, how you can you defend certain teams, how can you help each other on the court, how can I play with different players. Uh, and th- that's that's exciting about uh, about the basketball. That's exciting about our sport because every day it's something new. Every day it's new challenges. Okay, so I don't want to keep you all day. I know you've got a whole lot of things going on here early in training camp. But I want to ask you again: training camp, eleven new players. At least at least eight of those are going to be on the final roster. Maybe even nine. And that's a huge turnover. And last year the same, huge turnover. You've been on plenty of teams, but the team that really sticks out to everyone that you were on was that Kings team where you and and Doug and Bobby and Chris and Vlade, you guys were together for so long. And that's something that Jaeger is used to. He's had a this this group of guys in Memphis that were together for so long. But you guys haven't had that here. How do you I guess how do you get around that? How do you I think you have to start at some point. That's true. Uh, you have to start at, 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 at some point. I mean you have to uh, you have to uh, start building it. Uh, I, I think we are at, at, at the point where we are putting uh, pieces together, uh, uh, starting with the coaching staff, uh, starting with the main players, uh, having young guys that we think they have a great future, uh, drafting right people. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's a process. I mean, it's, it, in some places happened much quicker than others, we were very fortunate uh, with our generations. It, it did happen. We we clicked from very beginning, like on and off the court, and also the the chemistry between us and the coach was immediate. So, in our case, it, it was a little bit easier, but it, it is a process. It takes hard work. It's it's chemistry is not happening on its own. It takes time. It takes effort. It's not going to happen just you showing up physically and being a professional. I think, I think working on your chemistry, uh, being a leader, being a mentor, it takes effort. Uh, I, 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 think, I, think, I think guys are understanding that if you want to go a, a, a level up, you need to put up extra effort. 
It's not always about uh, points and rebounds or steals. So it, it's, it's about collectively how can we be better? How can I make my teammates better? How can I be a mentor to a younger guy? How can I show him what it takes to be a professional? I think overall, all of us here uh, have a responsibility of, of creating this place a better place. That makes perfect sense. Well, I hope you guys get there fast. It, it, you guys have a lot of ground to cover in a short amount of time, but I think a lot of people will give you at least a year to see this team kind of play out because of the new building right. and everything. So yeah. I look forward to uh, seeing how this, this season plays out for the Sacramento Kings. We are too. Yeah. All right, that's Paige Stoljakovic. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Welcome back to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me in this second portion of the podcast, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, what's going on? I need to get you to do that read for our, uh, our, our pod stuffs that we're coming out with this year. I'm available for all reads, people. I, I'm like Fiverr. You want to give me five bucks? I'll read anything. Well, almost anything. Maybe I, uh, I, could, I could read mean tweets. That would be fun. Mean tweets? <laughs> Are you getting mean tweets, James? No, I, I typically don't get a lot of mean tweets. Every once in a while, you know. Comes what, with the territory. What are you going to do? You, you know, as long as it's non-constructive, which it always is, so we're good. <laughs> All right, so we've got we've got basketball to talk about. It's absolutely incredible. The Sacramento Kings have opened up training camp. Um we had media day on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We've already seen three practices. Uh, the first two practices were two days. They they did walkthroughs on defensive schemes in the morning, followed by contact drills in the evening. Per NBA rules, you're only allowed three hours of contact per day, uh, according to Dave Yeager, of uh, full contact. So you can do walkthrough stuff, but you can't do full contact for like say six hours straight. Um, and that's in the beginning of training camp. So uh, day three is always a, the dreaded day three. Everyone knows around the league that day three is a day that the whole world catches up. You know, it's like lactic acid has been hiding in your body and it comes in, in like snares everyone. And so it's usually a day where teams pare down and the Kings did do that. They went to a, a one practice at 2.30. Uh, well, actually the media was supposed to be at 2.30, ended up being closer to 4.00. Um, so, but it was one long practice. They did work on some offense at the end of it, but Dave Yeager has done nothing but defense, 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 defense for the last three practice, three days of practice. Aaron, what's your thought on that? Because this team does have a lot of offensive power, but they also have, they have to completely change over to the high post offense, which is Dave Yeager's offense, which is going to have its own learning curve. I'm fine with it. I'm a defense guy. I, I love hearing that from a Kings perspective. If I'm a Kings fan, that should be music to my ears. I, I just think that you can't do enough to fix the the problems from last year. And I think the system was so screwy last year that the guys will come in with just a completely open mind and say, you know what, we're just scrapping everything that we did last year, which was one of those sort of hybrid switching systems that's in vogue. But really, you've got to have the personnel to execute it, and and you've got to be able to teach it. And there were no defensive practices for the Kings last year, as many of them indicated on media day <laughs> and since, <laughs> which is mind-boggling to me. It's a sheepish I, I mean, grin you get every time. Uh, yeah, we're not switching anymore. Smile, it's smile. It's weird to <laughs> see NBA players, you know, long for defensive practices. Usually, it's. You know, it's only the hardcores that that really want those defensive practices, but they're thirsting for it, and and I think that's great. And then, you know, offensively, as long as they're not doing silly stuff like they were doing last year, I think they'll be fine on that end and gain a lot of confidence from the uh, the improved play that they show. But yeah, give them give them. Uh, they could do defense all preseason, and I think I personally would be fine with it. Yeah, they they definitely they look like a group that was embarrassed last year and they were embarrassed to continue to run out the same exact thing but they all knew that you know if they didn't run the sets if they didn't do what George wanted that they were going to get benched so lo and behold they went out and did what it was that he wanted and that's the way it goes uh, I, I'm seeing that from all of the Kings players uh, they do get 
a sheepish grin on their face every time like yeah we're working on defense is this the first time in a while yeah this is the first time in like two years that we've done defense and you know since malone left and so i think this team is ready for this i found it interesting i know you've been hard on aaron aflalo and uh sort of his defensive acumen has slipped and slipped and we had him in the media scrum yesterday and he was very clear like I've heard it. I've heard that people think that, you know, I've slipped defensively or that I don't try hard. Uh, he's like, but I'm excited to play for Jaeger because I know he does do defense. And uh, I want to prove people wrong because he said, I-, I came into the league as a defender. And that was sort of, those are my roots. That's how I made it in this league. And to hear that I'm not a good defender now, He's like, I, I have a lot to prove. I, I'm going to I'm gonna go out there and show people that I can defend and that I will defend, and we'll see how it goes. And I, I think that's a good thing. Let me, let me jump in on that because I don't think a flawless is, is like an effort issue. I, there were times on tape he got caught. You know, the eye in the sky don't lie. Um, part of that, when you carry more offensive burden, there's more chance of slippage on that end. I also think things went really sour late in New York last year. So uh, anytime things go sour, players will tend to let up a little bit. Uh, but he's not a guy. I don't. I don't target him as an effort guy or a lack of effort guy. For him, it's just a lateral quickness issue, and and maybe even just an overhyping issue. I mean, people have been overhyping his defense for the last three years. No, no fault of his own. I mean, you can't fault the guy for, you know, losing his, uh, you know, his quickness. It happens to everybody. Uh, he's built a little bit more like a three. So I think that he's going to have trouble with twos that are quick in this league when when teams are playing two point guards. Uh, I, I, I think the Kings should play him at, at the three, you know, as they they downsize and he can completely hold his own with with small forwards in this league. I think his shooting fits the small forward position. So anytime they can get him into the three slot, I think it's going to be a good thing for them. But, yeah, I'm not worried about his effort at all. And I think he fits into the mindset you know, if you're playing Aflalo and Matt Barnes in, in this lineup, you got Willie Cas- or probably Willie Cauley-Stein and Omri Caspi, Garrett Temple, Darren Collison, even Ben McLemore. You know, I think that there's a mentality there, Costa Kufos. I think that there's a mentality, you know, and if you get that buy-in from DeMarcus Cousins, that the first X amount of days of the Michael Malone Kings in that fateful year, they were getting after it on defense, and, and it was pretty damn scary. Yeah, you know— Overall, I don't think they have a bad defensive team. If they have a good defensive scheme, then they should actually be fine. I think DeMarcus Cousins is actually a really good position and team defender. He just gets lazy and, and reaches and gets foul, gets in foul trouble. Um, he's not a conventional shot blocker, which, you know, is what it is. But, uh, you know, you have Willie Cauley-Stein that you can put next to him. You have Costa Kufas. Both of those guys are very good defenders. They always have been. They've Sort of that's their staple, uh, Willie in college and Costa throughout his time in the league. And, and then you've got guys like Matt Barnes that can really play defense at the wing. Um, you know, hopefully we'll see a, a more determined uh, Rudy Gay and Omri Caspi on, on the defensive end at the wing positions as well. But Garrett Temple's there who can play some solid defense. I think Ben McLemore, if he's taught right, uh, can play some decent defense. And then I think the point guards... While they're, neither one of them are lockdown defenders, I don't think Darren Collison is a bad defender. And I think both of them are so quick that they can sort of hit the hit the opposing point guards before they even get the ball up, across half court. And I think that's something that we need to see this year is that the point guards pick up the defense early and really slow down the other team and force them into early mistakes or even just late offensive sets. And that's good for anybody. Well, and one thing that's going to help with that is if you slow down this ridiculous pace they had last year. I mean, guys look like they want to just lay down on the court. They were running so hard. You, know, you slow <laughs> that thing down and, and you play to your big man's strengths. You know, Darren Collison now can pick up full court. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, maybe Ben McLemore could pick up full court. I don't know that I trust him. With picking up full court, you have to – it's a little cat and mouse game that you got to play with the opposing point guard where you give a little pressure, you know, take a second off the clock, you know, turn them left, turn them right, you know, get them across the half-court line at the 16-second mark, you know, obviously, you know, uh, probably 17, 18 now that there's the eight-second rule. But the 
this idea that you know you can both play at a fast pace and also have a lockdown defense just really doesn't work. Um, there's very few teams that have ever been able to do it. So I think that's going to be key. And uh, I think having a good baseline defense, you know, there aren't any all NBA defenders on this team. But even a guy like Rudy Gay, you know, th- he's going to have to go out there and prove to the other 29 teams or however many teams could take on a Rudy Gay, you know, the five to 10 teams out there that could take him on that he can get after it. And if he doesn't get after it, then his, his market's going to just fall out. So I expect Rudy to come out with his pants on fire. And I think as long as they can survive that early spell without Darren Collison, they might be onto something. You know, if Rudy Gay doesn't want to play hard, he's not going to play. I mean, that's the way it's going to go. The Kings have too much depth. If Rudy Gay isn't going to come in and actually, I mean, at this point, his value is virtually nothing anyways. And I don't know that sitting him down or playing him 20 minutes a night is really going to hurt his value any further because people will will always think, well, I mean, we know what he can do. We know what Rudy Gay can do. So I, I think it, it kind of adds this element that, that the Kings can mix and match and do all of these different things, but no man is going to be bigger than the team. And that's something that Jaeger has been preaching the whole time. And, and ask point blank, what if someone isn't going to play defense? Are you going to hold them accountable as anyone else? And he said, well, they're just not going to play. And, and that's the way it's going to be. And, you know, another thing that Jaeger brought up this week was – uh, Aaron Aflalo and Rudy Gay, while for some reason George Carl never used this, and I don't even think Ty Corbin used it very often, both Aflalo and Rudy Gay have the the ability to score very well in the post. And that's a good thing, to have multiple players that can score in the post because, I mean, if you really you look at the the percentages anywhere around the rim, most NBA standards is right around 60%. So every shot you take is worth 1.2 points. It's the same as a three-point corner three. Uh, it's a really high percentage shot, and it really it makes your offense more efficient typically. And the one problem that he has, though, is that he has DeMarcus Cousins, who is going to play the high post and the low post, and he's going to dominate down low like he has the last couple of years. And so what we're going to see is... Uh, Cousins doing a lot of damage down low when he's in the game, but when they pull Cousins out of the game, Aflalo or Rudy Gay are probably going to be in the game, stay in the game, and work that low post avenue. So I I assume that one of those guys is going to the bench early and then coming back in when Cousins goes out, but I I think they are onto something here where they have multiple players that can play in the post, including a pretty good mismatch in a Flalo that can really do some damage as a shooting guard. And then Rudy Gay has a seven foot three wingspan. He's always been extremely efficient in the post. And I've always wondered why the Kings don't go to him more in the post. And I guess one of the reasons why is they just, in past years, they've had issues just doing entry passes. And if you don't even have Rudy Gay to make an entry pass, then I don't know who would make an entry pass. So we'll see. This this new high post offense that they're running or this old high post offense that they're just now running uh, is something that is intriguing to me because I think they have the pieces to do it. Well, you couldn't do a, a post entry pass because usually it was Rondo trying to make the pass and it was usually into a double team because nobody was going to cover his shot. Um, yeah, of course. I, I think some of the, the – the, I think the reason oh, – the reasons why you wouldn't want to run a Flalo and Gay down on the post are basically this. They constantly go to their fadeaway. Now, a Flalo does that more than, than Gay does but because um, Gay will come over with the little uh, baby hook shot, and I think that's really effective. But um, now reasons why you would, it, you have high-low action with one of the better passers uh, on the team and DeMarcus Cousins. If, if he can get, just get the ball at the high post or a little bit higher out by the three-point line, both of those guys can post up without the big man there to defend the rim and I do think that post play is valuable even if some of the stats you know some of the shots aren't always at the rim they're contested I think that you know post buckets are something in the 45 percent range and that's not always the greatest but anytime you can get the defense to turn their head so if the ball goes behind them they constantly have to find the ball find their man find the ball find their man and if you're working the offside or probably the the weak side screen game and switching spots out on the perimeter, that's where teams like the Spurs make their living on three-point shots. 
And you can open up a very just easy and intuitive offense just by having some pick and roll action at the beginning with DeMarcus Cousins and Darren Collison. If that doesn't work and DeMarcus gets the ball up top, that's when you go to the post down low. It's a really simple offense. And this is the stuff that was frustrating, I think, watching the Kings last year. Was there's just so many ways that they could go with it. And they chose to pick the absolute worst way every single time. And, and it really, I think, it hid their effectiveness. So I think that's, again, one of the reasons why I'm going to be you know, 40 wins or greater, you know, looking at this season is I just think that they do have the horses to make this work. Interesting. All right. So let's get to a couple of, uh, a couple of things that Paige just said in the first half, uh, that I think will be, they're really just in, intriguing conversation points. Uh, number one, he took Willie Cauley Stein under his wing right after the season. And I, I talked to Willie about this as well. And he started working on Willie Cauley-Stein's shooting touch and teaching Willie how to basically build a foundation and how to be – how to repeat the same motion every time. And that – you know, he explained to him that if you want to be a great shooter, it's not – Willie has this thing with that's in his head that he, he gets in, sort of interested in something and then he's all in. And I think a lot of people – have seen that as a negative when it comes to his ideas outside of basketball, because he really like sort of immerses himself in something and he's very passionate. But uh, when it comes to doing something like shooting, it it's something that takes hours and hours, so many repetitions. And Willie was telling me that uh, Peja had worked with him. And then the goal is every day, 700 shots. And that's what he's been doing. He's been doing that since the beginning of summer. And to me, it's really intriguing because it's an odd couple. You would never put Peja Stoyakovich and Willie Cauley-Stein together and say, huh, all right, that makes sense. You just wouldn't do it. But to see that, you know, Willie wants to improve on something and Peja is one of the great shooters in NBA history, to me, that's a really good thing. And Peja has accepted that as as a role as a mentor. He uh, Willie said he's my mentor. He's a guy that I look up to, and and I found that really intriguing. That Peja, who is you know he's there in the front office. He's a vice president of player development and uh, player personnel and development, I think it is, and he's also the general manager of the Reno Bighorns. But he's working on this. He's on the court. He's getting in there, and he's just on the court. And Willie even said. I say, can he still shoot it? He goes, man, he doesn't even have to warm up. Just like boom, 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 boom. And it it brings me back when I first started covering this team, 2010. They had Antoine Wright on the roster. And he said uh, that, you know, in Dallas, they have shooting competitions after after practice. And this is something he was trying to bring to a young Omri Caspi at that point. And he said that, you know, we go around the arc and you shoot 20 shots from every every position on the floor. So five positions, 100 shots. He's like, but on the Mavericks, in order to not lose your shirt every day, you at least have to be in the high 80s. But most of the time, you got to be able to hit 93, 94, 95 threes it around the horn or you're just going to get you're just going to get bombarded. And that's something that I, I find really intriguing that Page can bring to this team sort of another addition, like just his experience as one of the great shooters. Well, when you think about it, you have a core of Lade, Peja, and and, and if Doug is coaching or not, (laughs) whatever he's doing with the team. He's he's not uh, coaching. He's there uh, watching and doing things, but he's not coaching. I'm playing around with that. No, but but he's in the building. And, I mean, you do have a core of a team that was very successful in Sacramento and understood how to win and all of that. And, and that's very unique to uh, NBA front offices. I mean, there are guys that used to you know, had had previously played, but not a lot of them that can go out and rattle off a bunch of three point shots and, and say, watch how I do this. And I'm still better than you. And that's just really unique. And, you know, for a guy like Willie Cauley Stein, you know, he's just going to be one of the more fascinating Kings follows. Um, he's very cerebral and everything that he does. Uh, he's the fact that he's taking yeah. yeah, he's a sponge, um, and he's just really real. I, I think that uh, you know he's one of the funnier kings. You see him talking with Vivek the other day; it was classic. You know, they're just having just an everyday conversation, and you could just tell that they're feeling each other out and uh, getting to know each other. Um, but yeah, the the 
the Willie Cauley Stein thing, I, I really think he's going to play a lot of minutes this year. And I know a lot of people are down on him because of the summer league and because people just don't know what to make of him. You know, he showed this small glimpse of offense at the end of last year, and it was really a kind of a, a prove it moment for him. The team rallied around it. it. It was a really good moment for him, you know, in the whole George Carl fiasco for him to go out there and hit a bunch of 18 footers and have that one big game where, you know, he couldn't miss. I think if he even comes close to that this season, and I, I think he will, that's one of those X factors for the Kings that makes them very, very unique. Yeah, he definitely is a fourth option, fifth option in in an offensive set, but he knows at that power forward position or the, the center position, whatever you want to say that he is, he's going to play the high post like DeMarcus is. He's going he's gonna to do a lot of other things. But he knows he has to shoot. He has to create for others. He understands that. And he said last year, you know, I, I was told to go stand in the corner on offense. And this year, I actually get to be part of the offense. And not only do I do I get to be part of it, but I have to be part of it. And if I don't be part of it, then I'm going to get benched. I'm going to have to go sit down. So I have to be aggressive and take my shots and, and make plays and if not, you know, there's a bunch of other guys on this team that can. And I think Willie understands that. So, uh, all right, let's get to our second guy who's the, – the talk of camp is Scal LeBCA. And this is something, again, that Peja brought up. I was pretty shocked when he said it, but he said uh, – again, he he's a Kings front office guy, so you've got to take it for, for what it's worth. But he said that he has Chris Boss – Chris Bosch-like potential. And he said that this kid has all of the tools. He reminds him of a young Chris Bosch, the way that he he carries himself, his repertoire, his ability to rise up and shoot over people, just everything. And I thought that was an interesting comparison. I, I have said young Richard Lewis, and everyone is talking about Scal at camp. Everyone is like, holy. <laughs> and not only a camp, but Scal got here and then never left. He's been here all summer long. He went to, you know, he had a really nice summer league, but then coming out of summer league, he took all of the defensive understanding that he got from summer league and he worked on it. He's been here slaving away, gaining weight, getting buff, you know, doing things that uh, that he needs to do as a rookie. If he wants to play minutes, and I do believe he's going to play some minutes, which is shocking. I'm here's the thing. I'm not as sold on his minutes. I'm not. Um, I don't know that year one will be the the great measurement year for him. Um, but I'm I'm pretty high on Scal. I think that the the comparison to Bosch is is going to be completely unfair. Uh, but he actually is. You know, it's very comparable. You know, lefty, just. Um, you know, very rangy. He's almost got the Chris Bosch body right now. He really did bulk up. It's, you know, the knock on him was his physicality and, and his stature. And he does look as thick as, as anybody at the power forward position in the NBA. And so with his ability to dribble a little bit, shoot a little bit, and we're really just scratching the surface with him. He hasn't played a ton of minutes. Uh, I, I think game situations might get to him early on. And I think that, um, It'll be hard to put him on the floor in the first, uh, say, three, four weeks of the season, especially if you got Anthony Tall over there who can sit there, you know, be a steadying force and, and help navigate through the first half of the season. But if you see injuries strike, if Tolliver, if he passes Tolliver, which is very possible he could pass Tolliver, and he starts getting on the floor and doing stuff, I mean, I could see 10 to 15 minutes a game where, where you start to go, yeah, I could see this, you know, being a thing where the Kings go, yeah, we're building around this guy. You know, this was a good draft pick, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I would be I would be excited about Scal. I'm a Kings fan. And his uh, the, the way that he the kind of person he is, I think, is actually going to be a great fit for the Kings because he, he's basically a learner, a listener, a really nice guy. And, and I don't think you're going to have any problems with him in the locker room or anything like that. So uh, Kings fans can look forward to that. Yeah, I think some people are are sitting back and going, Paige is crazy. But I'm going to remind people that Scowl was considered like a top two, three pick in this draft last coming into last season. People have known about him and, and were excited about him. And he had a 
a rough season in his his only season in, at Kentucky under Cal, and so I don't think you can just you know throw throw that out there and say oh that's that's just you know hogwash that can't happen. Um, I, I do believe that he's got top end of the draft potential. Uh, the Kings are lucky he was sitting there 28. And, and I'm going to keep saying this. If if you just had the offseason, if you look at the offseason as a whole that the Kings did, and, and you just you look at the draft and, and you take Papianis at 28 and Scowl at at 13 and Malachi at, at 22, then I think everyone is completely comfortable with the Kings draft, even though they're drafting a big man in, in Papianis, but he's a late first round pick. You don't expect anything, but because that's not how the numbers went, you, you know, the Kings get raked over the coals. Again, if you look at the summer, the way that they added their free agents, they went after Tolliver and Garrett Temple. And a lot of people are like, man, at some point you have to get a point guard. And they kept saying that for two months, some point you have to get a point guard. Well, they did. They went out and get, they got Ty Lawson. And Ty Lawson, if he's right, if you were to put Ty Lawson and they added him in the first week of of the offseason, and then they added Garrett Temple, and then they added Anthony Tolliver, I think people would be like, wow, they've they've done a nice job of, of bulking up and, and doing bringing in the right guys and or bringing in at least assets that, that can work. But because they, they pick him up at the end of the offseason, again, it leaves this sort of chronological issue if you look at the team as a whole i don't really think they're that bad on paper and so we're gonna have to wait and see how it plays out but i guess the last thing we have to talk about uh, on those lines is we've talked about this in the past but the darren collison situation is just looming it's just like hanging over him like a dark cloud and the kings for that matter like a dark cloud they know they need to get off to a good start and they know that he's going to be gone for some amount of time aaron and i've been looking at some some uh, different things about how long he could be gone. If he was convicted of a felony, he was he's gone a minimum of 10 games. That's the minimum. But there is no minimum for a misdemeanor. Uh, there is no stated domestic violence policy in, uh, in the CBA that we found. And what we have found is that uh, the Kings are in trouble if he gets suspended any long amount of time if he's suspended three games the first what is it the first all three games he he's on the active roster if he's suspended six or more games the first five games he has to be on the active roster and what the active roster means is that the kings will only be able to suit up 12 on those nights and and they'll have to have two other guys sitting there that can't actually play which is really an interesting thing that the league is doing but I don't think they can get a rock roster exemption and go over 15 for a suspension, which leaves uh, pretty clear who's going to make this team and who's not. And the odd men out are Aaron. Go ahead and you can rattle them. Oh, yeah, we got Farmar, Cousins, and Patterson. And that's too bad because I think Patterson would be a great guy at the end of this roster. He can pass. He's pretty big. I thought he was – I know he's, he's listed at like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He seemed like he might have even – you know, he might be like six, he's six, six and a half. I think that his size with his passing ability and, and some of the stuff he showed in Atlanta, I, I that's like exactly what you want out of a 14 or a 15 guy. But with the roster math, you know, those three will be gone. And then looking at this roster and kind of back to your previous points, everything looks a lot better if you package Costa Kufos and Rudy Gay and get something of decent value in return because then you and and i think this is almost predicated on you see georgios or yorgos play and say you you go you know he can handle 20 minutes at the nba level and between him and willie collie stein and demarcus cousins we have enough depth at the center position even if we had to play scal at at the center position you know we can survive losing costa kufos so you package him and rudy gay who's on the way out anyway that really starts to make this team's depth balance out and if you can a get a you know long term fix at the shooting guard or just a pick in return, I think that that looks really good for them. But yeah, the roster math as it stands right now, I, I mean Farmar, Cousins, Patterson, and that's uh, that's pretty easy to, to to call at this point. Yeah, and just so people know, everyone loves Jordan Farmar. 
absolutely loves him around around the franchise. They're really impressed with him. They think that he he's a super new a super nice guy who really just fits in seamlessly. He knows a little bit of Jaeger's offense. Let's not oversell the fact that he played 12 games on Memphis uh, at the end of the season, and he was playing with like a collection of D League players the whole time. They weren't even running an offense, actually. Yeah, but he can really shoot it, and he's a veteran who doesn't make a ton of mistakes. I just, you know, it's unfortunate. The numbers, it was him and Ty Lawson. If something breaks down with Ty Lawson, then clearly they've got to make a move there. Um, but I think they'll keep him in mind all throughout the season. And if somehow Collison gets a huge suspension and the league does allow them an exemption, then they will, they'll keep Farmar as that third point guard or second point guard. It just depends on where Temple's playing and all that. So I think it's intriguing. Uh, we keep preaching this, but versatility is the name of this roster. They've got a lot of pieces. Like what you were saying, Aaron, if they traded Costa Kufis today, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, well, that really does. Now Papa G has to play. And that's not true because Willie Cauley-Stein can go over and play, you know, even if he had to start, if Cousins got hurt, he could play 30-something minutes a game at as your starting center, and then you can go small ball. And, you know, they've got all of these guys that can play the power position, the power forward position. You know, Scal is so deep on that list. But, you know, you have Tolliver, you've got Caspi, you've got Barnes, you've got Gay. Uh, you could really move this thing around very quickly if you did trade those guys, and or if I mean if you traded Kufis, and, and then if again the gay situation, I, I just don't think going into camp, he's kind of woken up. I'll say that we talked to him this week uh, at media day. He was pretty quiet. Uh, he did talk. I think it was on Wednesday. He's kind of come around a little bit to the fact that hey, look, I'm here and this is it. I'm going to start the season here, and I think he's going to be in a better place than most people think, but they really need maximum effort from him, and he's in great shape. He's ready to play. Uh, We're just going to have to see how it plays out with him. Yeah, and I think at this point in time, everybody around the league is just ready to toss the ball up in there and get things going. You know, these, these couple weeks are always interesting to a certain extent, and then you just um, you can't take any more of the preseason hype and uh, the lopsided games and this, that and the other. It's, you know, we're what, third, 25 days away. And actually, you know, they're cutting ribbon over at the uh, arena right now. And that to me is most interesting. Um, you know, big congratulations to the Kings. Um, you know, everybody in all the fan groups with uh, Crown Downtown, Here We Stay, Um you know, all of the many people at the city level, you know, it's, the, the city people don't get as much love, I think, in this whole thing. I agree. As like the, John Dangberg and yeah. Oh, yeah. Dangberg was a super stud in Shiree. that whole thing. Yeah. Shiree, um, yeah, But even their staffs, you know, all the way down, I, I tweeted out the pencil pushers that aren't doing the media laps. I mean, these guys were like the guys, you know, if they don't do what they do, then it doesn't happen. And so, uh you know, big congratulations out to those guys and, and just everybody uh, associated with the Kings, the fans. You know, one day I swear I will clone myself and I will put pen to paper and I will write the, you know, the chronology of it. And it, it will be a fascinating book because it's about fascinating people who've done miraculous things in many cases and really took an underdog story and 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 ran with it and, and won. And so uh, that's just phenomenal. And so 25 days from now, the season will start. And then I think it's another five days after that, the Spurs come into town and, and the Kings open it up. It's, it's the end of the fairy tale. That's right. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're going this weekend, uh, I know they're opening the doors on Saturday for Fan Fest is at 630, but they're doing an open house during the day. They're expecting over 100,000 people to pop in and out of that stadium. Uh, this weekend, which should be absolutely incredible. They are dedicating David Stern uh, Drive today. That is what they're doing, and David Stern is in Sacramento. He will be in Sacramento for the the final game, I mean, the first game like he was at the first game in 1985 at Arco 1. Uh, so, and Adam Silver is supposed to be there as well, but this is really, it's a uh, a labor of love for David Stern, and never discredit 
how much he put in and how much he did to keep this team here. Really, it's it took everyone, and I think that's something that I will continue to preach. There are so many heroes in this story, and it's not just Kevin Johnson. It, it's fan groups that stepped up. It's uh, business it's, leaders. Business leaders that stepped up. It's you know again, Kevin Johnson's a huge piece, but. All of these people, Vivek Ranadive and the Jacobs brothers, and you know, if you look all around the ownership group, the Mastrovs of the world that got in super early and said, "I'm willing to buy the team before even Vivek was in the picture." You know, there are a lot of people in this in this story that that came up big at specific moments that changed the tide. But it's it's really it's about the fans, and I think. When they walk into that building, they're gonna feel that because, my goodness, it's huge. It's incredible. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's inspiring. It is. So I think people will enjoy it this weekend for the first time. Yeah, it's all inspiring, and and it, it like you said, it was a village. You know, it took a village, and any one thing could have turned that situation. I swear, as we went through the meat and potatoes of it. There was there were times where you thought, you know what, if Seattle just did this, this and this, they would have won. And because they made or they and the Maloofs made this particular mistake, like filing for relocation when they filed for they filed for relocation too early and it bit them because they pushed on the league when the league wasn't ready for them to push. And the Kings, uh, probably Sacramento, came in and had every answer, and David Stern was a part of that every step of the way. And it was um, just a phenomenal story to cover. I mean, I feel like it was a different lifetime ago, but uh, recalling it all and and seeing that arena open up, it'll remind me of a lot of good stories, and, and I think that'll be fun. Definitely. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I think this is episode, what, 53? Uh, 53 in the books. Maybe 54. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll know when I'm editing. Uh, but uh, thanks for tuning in. Keep uh, keep coming and, and you know give us some comments on on uh, the iTunes page. Uh, we have switched to Audio Boom, which is nice. It, it's just a bigger and better platform. And I'll point this out, too. Uh this the Kings Insider podcast. When I when I went to CSN, this was something that I brought with us. Everyone knows it. You know, I, uh, me and Aaron, and before that, me and John, it, we had a a podcast for a long time before uh, I moved to CSN and brought the podcast over there. But since I've been at CSN, they decided that they love the podcast pl- uh, platform, and I, I I'm going to take credit for it 100 percent because. No, I'm not going to take her. It's just the way it worked out, but we have developed the uh, the 49ers podcast, the Raiders podcast. Monty Poole will have a podcast this year for the Warriors. Um, the A's and the Giants, Joe Stiglich, Alex Pavlovich, have podcasts. If you're a Northern California, Bay Area uh, sports fan, uh, we have a podcast for every single one of the teams now in the Bay Area. I think Kevin Kurz is probably going to do a, a San Jose Sharks podcast. Um, but when you go to Audio Boom, you can just tap the CSN and, and look at the all of our lineup. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not a Raiders fan, but uh, Scott Bear had uh, Carr on his podcast. I mean, he has the, the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders on his podcast. People need to start listening to this stuff because it's the podcast platform gives you an opportunity to to delve into subjects so much deeper than you can in almost any other medium, and I really appreciate this this medium. I love it, and uh, we'll continue doing this. So, Aaron, do you have any final thoughts? So, check out um, John Schifferly's article on Ben McAmore. Just I saw it hit the uh, Twitter over at hoop-ball.com, and uh, he makes the case for why Ben McAmore should be given another chance. So, check that out. One more chance. For Ben McLemore. Hey, I, they like him. He's been playing well, and they they aren't giving him away for, for nothing at this point, which I thought they would have this summer. 
So, uh, all right. So that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We will be back next week. We might even have multiple podcasts again. I think I've got some guys lined up. This should be a fun couple of weeks as we trudge through training camp and the beginning of preseason on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, I will be at Paul McCartney on Wednesday, so maybe I'll even give you a report on what the new arena sounds like uh, on, on Thursday or Friday when we podcast, so some good stuff coming. All right, Aaron, uh, thanks for joining me. I'm James Ham. We'll see you next week.